Hello listeners and welcome back for another episode of PSG Talking, the first and best podcast devoted entirely to Paris Saint-Germain in English. Recorded minutes after PSG's sluggish 1-0 win over Bruges in the Champions League, we recap everything that went down at the Parc des Princes Wednesday night. With a berth in the Champions League round of 16 confirmed, should Thomas Tuchel limit Neymar's playing time until then? We also discuss Edinson Cavani's future with the club. Joined by Carl Oscar Kalstrom and Mark Damon, my name is Ed, and today I'm handing off hosting duties to Matt Gooding, or as you probably know him on Twitter, PSG Tourist. Well, good evening, everyone. Well, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of PSG Talking. I'm your host, Matt, and uh, well, it's good to have you with us today. Um, so in the week that PSG launched their own branded electric bikes, which was certainly a, a sort of highlight of my week, I've got uh, three members of the PSG Talk Peloton here with me to uh, to chat through the most recent games uh, that have been happening at the Parc de France. So we've got uh, we've got Mark Damon here with us. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Uh, lose those pounds. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Uh, put your pedal to the floor or what have you. And we've also got all the way from Sweden, right, Carl Oscar? Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm very tired. It's about 12 at night right now. You don't look it. Yeah, I was going to say, you look fresh as a daisy, man. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) We've also got here with us, with his uh, fancy blurry background, we've got uh, PSG Talk uh, boss, head honcho, editor, um, Ed, down there. Ed, how's it going? Doing very well. Yeah, the the bike photos were something, right? I also like the Cardi and his Hugo Boss uh, photo shoot. He might be a better model than Striker. I don't know. It could be debatable. Oh man, it's just been it's been a week of solid gold content. Uh, there was a Halloween party. There was the bikes. There was a Cardi. I mean, it's literally like all my birthdays and Christmases coming at once. I tell you. Um, anyway, uh, enough of that. Uh, so football. Yes. So we're recording directly after our latest Champions League uh, triumphant uh, result um, against Club Bruges, one 0 at the Parc de France. Uh, Probably, from my point of view, not a game that will live long in the memory, but uh, we got the did enough to get the win. Mauro Icardi with the goal in the first half. And then second half was really all about Keylor Navas with his uh, with his penalty save, uh, which sort of preserved our uh, unbreached record in terms of conceding goals in the Champions League and uh, booked our place in the next round. So, um, yeah, uh, I'll start by asking you guys just for your sort of quick take on the match and yeah what you made of our performance if we start with um we'll start with carl oscar yeah quite a i don't know i don't have much of an analysis yet i haven't really watched uh, looked at the numbers yet which is usually my department so i guess i have to go um sort of off, off the bat i thought um the first i was pretty similar to the one in belgium i think a lot of intensity from from club Brugge. And then uh, we still got to go. Uh, another one from Icardi, uh, same as last time around. Uh, but the second half wasn't really what uh, we saw in um, two weeks ago. They continued the pressure. PSG didn't get that second goal that they needed. And yeah, pretty rode their luck a bit, I think. Very tired yeah. legs. It at least looks like looks like it. Uh, very tired. Uh, Verratti was absolutely knackered when he went off. So could be that. Could be just motivation wasn't quite there. I'm not sure at this point. Yeah, certain, certainly it looked like a sort of 
a weary performance but like you say how much of that's in the physical fitness or how much of it's a bit in the head I, I, I it's hard to tell isn't it um uh, mark what did you think your quick sort of take on the on the game well i will say you have to give Bruges credit for you know they played them they played them two weeks ago and i think it's kind of hard to play a team you know two weeks after you just played them because you, they they you they they saw pretty much the best of what psg can do and i think they were prepared like you know you you got to give credit where it's due. They ran hard the whole game. They didn't really tire out for the most part. And PSG, the, and they, I think, Carl, you said it, like, they look tired. Like, they just look like they've played a lot of games. That midfield looks like it's tired. I think Verratti looked a little tired. Adrisa Gay had probably his worst game as a PSG player. I don't think he, I mean, his back pass, I think, led to that goal, to that goal scoring opportunity from Bruges on the penalty. And it was just, and I, I was curious again, what you guys thought is like, what was the second half plan? Like, I was just confused as like, I'm seeing them started to tire. I think Bruce saw them tire and got confidence from that. And you pretty much got Cavani coming on in the 70th, which was a like for likes change. Then you have uh, Draxler come on for... Remind me, who did Draxler come on for? Was it Mbappe? Mbappe, thanks. And then you had um, you had Sarabia come on for Verratti, and that was like the 89th minute. So I'm almost like thinking, was that like Thomas Tuchel trying to let them work through a game like that where they're tired and they don't have any legs, and it's like, hey, you know, hey, I can't save you now. You guys got to go out and try to pull this one out. It was just weird, and I didn't. I, I mean, uh, again, I want you guys thought on this. It's like, I just thought there was a lot of inaction for a team that looked like it was, you know, you could see it happen. You could see them tire as they went. And I, I mean, it, don't get me wrong. They got the three points. That's what matters. They're not going to have to play a meaningful Champions League match really until February now. I mean, the Real Madrid game will be important because it's a big game. But besides that, it's standings-wise, it's really not that big of a deal. And I'm wondering what that second half was about because it because it seemed like they could have made some changes earlier to give some legs to the team. Like they just looked like they were out of legs, Matt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it was a it was sort of worryingly reminiscent of the. Uh, days of the previous manager whose name we don't mention anymore where you'd get the sort of uh, you'd get the pre-planned substitution maybe if you were lucky on 60 minutes but otherwise usually on 80 minutes and uh uh yeah very much a sort of lack of activity from the bench um i think in terms of shots uh, in terms of stats rather um psg dominated the possession uh 64 possession but it really didn't feel like that at times it didn't feel like we were getting anywhere and um uh certainly Bruges looked the more dangerous team, I'd say, without having too many shots on target. Um, Ed, what did you mm-hmm. what did you make of the game? Yeah, just listening to everyone else, I'm not sure if they were as tired as they were, maybe just a little bit inconsistent and coming back from injury. If we remember, I think it was Varadi and Idrissa Gay. Was he at the the match against Dijon? I mean, there were yeah. several players that had like little injuries that are coming back. I know Varadi was out, but. Um, I just think this team hasn't had a ton of time to really gel together. And I mean, they last played, it was like five days ago. I mean, these guys should be up for a match like this. I just think deals. I mean, we saw Real Madrid drew against these guys at home. 
you know, sometimes these kind of games happen, and luckily Keeler Navas bounced back from that poor performance against Dijon and made some incredible saves for us. So I thought he was great. I thought Angel Di Maria was really good in this match. He doesn't seem to really have slowed down at all. I mean, he's in incredible form. Um, but overall, I just think this team hasn't had a ton of time to really play together. Some guys are, are coming back. You know, Dagba hasn't really been back that long since his injury. Um, so I think that's probably more than just being tired. I think just well, but, the inconsistency. Well, that that point too. If if it's inconsistent, if you see that the if you see that it's not working, mm-hmm. usually you would get like a 65th minute or a 60th minute sub in that game. Like, yeah. I would again. I can I can understand it if there was some sort of method to it. But, you know, I can't, I'm not a mind reader. I can't, you know, I can't read, you know, Tomas Tuchel's mind here. And knowing my history, I'm probably not going to try. So, <laughs> you, know, let, yeah. let, you know, let's leave it for what it is and, and see if that sort of thing happens again. I want to see, you know, you can't just be a one-off and then it doesn't happen again. At that point, it's like it's just sort of a random occurrence. I want to see if this happens again. But um, Kylian Mbappe. Yeah, I was just going to, I was going to mention yeah. him next. That was really one of kind of game today. Wasn't his night? No, absolutely. And, uh, very un- very ineffective performance from him. I thought you saw there was one run in the second half where it looked like he'd sort of really sort of kicked into gear and he burst past a couple of players and then it, I think it was a sort of shot or cross that got deflected behind. But other than that, really very little chance to impress. I mean, yeah, um, Carlos, what did you make of his performance? And do you think it's time for him to be taken out of the team again? Because obviously he had that injury. And he's come back with an absolute, you know, like a like a rocket uh, in the previous game against Bruges. But maybe perhaps things are starting to catch up with him a bit now. Yeah, I was going to add to that what, what Mark said about um, substitutions and changes in the second half. I think Julian was probably the player that needed to be taken off. The problem with having him there is, are you really going to take Julian and Mbappé off in the 55th or 60th minute? I mean, it's hard to justify that if you're then going to lose and oh, you needed those goals. Where, where are those coming from? Um, but no, he was really not himself. Tried way too much. Uh, I think someone uh, told me that on Twitter, was, and I completely agree. He just um, mistimed passes, mistimed when he skipped the ball to let it go to the other uh, teammates. It was just not in sync whatsoever. Probably needs. Um, need some time off now just both mentally and physically just to get back to his best but it's, it's only one game he's, he's scored in the, in the yeah. last one uh he's he's plenty so let's forget that um and i'd rather have i'd rather have him uh, have these types of games and just uh, than just being completely invisible for 80 uh 80 plus minutes um because yeah. that means he at least tries uh, and I'll add before Ed, Ed, Ed goes and makes his point mm-hmm. that if I'm if I'm an opposing defense and I'm an opposing team and I see Kylian Mbappe drifting into the midfield trying to like do Neymar Jr. type stuff, I'm like really happy about that. Like I'll take that all the time. Like if the farther he is away from goal or the less he is running at people, like again a little strange. Like he's like he was. Like he was experimenting a bit. Like he dropped into he dropped really far back. I can't remember a game where I saw him play that kind of way. And it it doesn't really fit his game right now. I just don't think he's that he's getting there, but he's just not that kind of player yet. Like he needs to be running off shoulder. He needs to be in space. And I guess because Bruges did a good job of closing off the space that he felt like he had to do that. But 
you see him start to drift into the midfield, you can kind of guess that PSG aren't playing all that well. Yeah. yeah. Latin vibes from 2005-15. Always dropped back. Played essentially as a six at time. Yeah. Very much for the Yeah, but I agree, I agree with Matt. Oh, sorry. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a bit. It's a difficult one, isn't it? Because, like you say, I think it's hard to take Mbappe off when the game's still in the balance. I mean, at one 0 right, it can go either way. But at the same time, I think you need the manager needs to be bigger than the players, and he needs to be able to say, you know, if you're having a stinker, then you need to come off, and maybe Cavani or Sarabia or is a better, you know, a better sort of man for the job in that situation. Um, yeah, Ed, any thoughts to add on Mbappe or? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So I just I early in the first half I saw what I I thought was like kind of indicative of the entire game is where Di Maria was making a run, he was dribbling with the ball and he had Mbappe running off of his right shoulder making a great run and he didn't get the ball. So I think this was a case of he just Mbappe didn't get the service that he's normally accustomed to. Um who knows why that is? Maybe some of the other players just missed them. It's just one of those deals. I thought that he looked sharp at the very beginning. I thought that he was quick to the ball, but ultimately he just wasn't able to find that space to run into. Um, and I think it's just one of those deals. I don't know if this is anything indicative of what we'll see later in the season. He's been in incredible form. Remember, he's coming off a pretty significant hamstring injury. I'm not terribly concerned. I was just looking um, who scored, rated him 6.4. That's probably the last time we're going to see him that low. Um, so I just think it's just one of those things where he just had an off game and didn't get the service he he needed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think there's probably a, probably a lot of truth to that. Um, so on to more positive matters. Um, <laughs> any any players you particularly thought sort of stood out on the night? Obviously, we mentioned Navas briefly. Any others who sort of who impressed you? Yeah, I think you got to start with Navas. Like, and <laughs> th- that was again that was a nice it was a perfect little encapsulation of of what they brought him here to do which is make up for the mistakes that are bound to happen in football. It's just that's how it is. And a lot of times, you know, you, you give up that penalty. That was, the, that was the classic PSG give up a penalty in the box kind of play. Like mistake at the back, back pass, fumbling, fumbling around. Silva goes to try to make a play. He doesn't get the ball. They complain for five minutes. They finally get a call. They put the ball in the spot. And most times, the other team scores. Nine out, 99 out of 100 times in PSG history, recent history, that team scores. And it's not like that was a great penalty shot or anything. I mean, it wasn't, but Navas no. guessed right. And sometimes that's all you really have to do. Like, you read the guy, you guess right, and he gave you a chance. Like, Alphonse Ariola didn't give you a chance in penalty shootouts. Like, Kevin Trapp you don't have that same, you don't have that same belief. And sometimes it is about belief. Like you believe that Kaylor Navas can bail you out. And that's what he did. And I think from that point, it seemed like PSG settled the game down. So like once they, once Navas makes that save, it's like, okay, now we can, we, we've, we've been threatened. We got away with it. Now let's settle the game down. Let's, you know, grind it out. And they really didn't get that many dead. Like one good chance after that, maybe that, Silva deflected, but that was really about it. Um, yeah. Anybody else? I thought Gagba was fine defensively. I'm not sure he's comfortable making crosses yet. There's a lot of times where he just kind of shakes around and waits. Yeah, like, he's 
I, I wonder if that's a bit of a confidence thing, just that he doesn't yeah. feel like comfortable in the team yet, or like he doesn't feel like he's, you know, first choice because he he did. You're right, he did seem a bit reticent sometimes when he was getting forward and sort of linking up with with Di Maria, but um, then not getting the cross in. And yeah, I don't know. Um, hopefully that will come with time, sort of thing. Yeah, and besides Navas, I would say Di Maria was probably mm-hmm. the best attacking player. I think he was the most threatening. Like if anybody was going to score, it was probably Di Maria. Like, if anybody was yeah. really going to make a great play out of something, like, you know, and Icardi does what he does. Like, I I think it's, at this point, we just have to say, like, the guy is the starter. Like, I don't think it's a controversy. I don't think it should be, like, a controversy. Like, it, the better players should play. And I think you're at a spot where, like, that guy, it was, it was a tap-in, but he was in the right place at the right time, which is sometimes what the number nine needs to be. So, yeah, I mean, that's what I took from it. Like, if you wanted to say three guys that stood out, Riccardi with the goal, Navas with the save, and Di Maria created some offense. Yeah, I think Di Maria was, I mean, we've sort of come to expect this from Di Maria now, but he was really lively, and um, he certainly added a bit of spark up front where you weren't really, you don't really get that sort of, I mean, like you say, Icardi's a box player, isn't he? And um, uh, Mbappe, obviously, as we've discussed, not probably not his best uh, night. Um, uh, Carl, who did any anything to add to that? Any particular players who you sort of thought stood out? I think those are the main ones. The midfield didn't really click. I think most of us would agree. Uh, got outrun by the uh, Brugge midfield, but Marquinhos still made a good individual display. Uh, he had to cover, cover a lot of ground, but always timing every tackle perfectly but he had so much ground to cover and so it covered full uh, covered for both fullbacks uh, at times so he was uh, yeah yeah he was his usual self in midfield uh, as we have uh, learned to expect at this at this point Verratti tried as well but as they made individual they had individual moments in midfield where they all were good but they didn't really work as a collective uh, Bernat was, I think he started the game really well, um, had his, uh, um, had his um, sort of Champions League-esque um, form on, but um, yeah, uh, I think, yeah, probably did Maria Navas, McInnes to a point, and yeah, I yeah. pretty much agree with what Mark said. Fair enough. Uh, yeah, no, I definitely I sort of take Marquinhos a bit for granted in midfield now, don't you? Just so you're going to get that sort of seven out of ten kind of uh, performance from him, even when it's not a um, even when it's not a great night for the team. Uh, yeah, Ed, uh, what did you uh, what do you make of the sort of individual performances of the team? I mean, what more can you say? I mean, Navis was unbelievable. I mentioned he had a, a rocky game against Dijon where I thought that at least one of those goals was his fault he could have done better on and you know there was some rumblings that you know Leonardo and they may still be interested in the the keeper from Ajax Onana is that yeah I mean he they're interested in him and kind of thinking about what the future I mean novice is 32 so but when he puts in a performance like this you're like he reminds you why he is a three-time Champions League winner and why he was brought in this season so I thought he was absolutely mad at the match Icardi I mean the guy just scores goals I mean none of them are gonna just be eye-opening and just be on every highlight reel he just scores goals and that's exactly what we need right now we don't need the spectacular we need the efficient and he's that to a T. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You really can't argue with his output, can you? Uh, um, 
Yeah, I think uh, there's not there's not much more to say about it really. I think the the main thing to take from it is that we won. It's another clean sheet, and then we're into the next round, and we can sort of, well, hopefully, you know, we don't need to uh, we don't need to take too many risks in the next couple of group games that are coming up, and um, then we'll just have to wait and see what what the draw brings us, won't we? Which uh, no PSG will probably not be something very nice, but um, anyway. <laughs> well, I mean, it looks it looks like, like mo- it looks like most of these are you know, going the way they expect to. I didn't see any real surprises in the, the group stages right now. So it's like, and it, you're at a point where it's like, okay, we've pretty much had every possible group uh, knockout stage, like situation, you know, Barcelona, Man United. Like at this point, it's like just whoever they play is whoever they play. Like, I just can't, I can't get myself worked up anymore about like who they're going to play. Cause it really is about what they do. And, you know, if they have the full group they should be able to beat most teams i still think like yeah. not all of them but most teams and it's another year where you look at it and you go is there anyone really impressive <laughs> like that's why i kind of like this real madrid game is going to be interesting this next one because i think you're going to play neymar maybe not start him but he's going to play and do you have you know what where what do you go out with what lineup do you because it's going to be more a dress rehearsal for a knockout stage game. Because I'm pretty sure if they can get a draw out of that, they win the group. If they win it, obviously they win the group. And after seeing today, it didn't look like Galatasaray is really putting up much of a fight. Like they have yet to score a goal in four uh, games. So I'm not expecting that. So it's very likely PSG win the group, regardless of what happens against Madrid. So, you know, what do you go, do you dress rehearsal that game and then sort of, sick guys against Galatasaray. Does it depend on the Real Madrid score? Interesting things. I don't think, you know, we can sort of pack it up yet and wait to February. I think there's still a couple interesting elements mm-hmm. here that we have to look at for the next couple of weeks, but um, hey. that's my time. I'm going to let you guys, yeah. uh, I'm going to let you guys kind of take it from here. I uh, just want to get my yeah. thoughts in on the game. Uh, you guys have a good show. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. Mark yeah. I, I do want to add on to uh, Mark's point where he's talking about who's in, you know, there's no team that really has separated themselves. I think it's very important that PSG finish in first place because you look at the other groups, maybe Tottenham, you know, they, they could scare you a little bit potentially. Atletico Madrid, I think, is the top team that's in a second place. I, yeah, I don't know. Sure. Well, there are a couple of good second place teams. I'm just looking at it now. As you said, uh, Tottenham, mm-hmm. uh, Dinamo Zagreb, you would love. To be, we have never gotten that kind of draw, really, ever. Yeah. Um, uh, from Group D, uh, Atletico Madrid. We have Napoli, which we know is a tough opponent. Uh, Leon, we, of course, can't face, right? Not in the first I round. I don't think we can have them in the last 16, uh, no. Chelsea. Uh, Borussia Dortmund, as well. But Dortmund is scary. You never know what you're going to get, really. Tuchel's old side. I think there's definitely going to be a big storyline in the round of 16, which makes me think we're probably going to get Dortmund, this kind of young upstart team going against their former manager. I think that's who it's going to be, but we'll see. That's the spirit. Uh, (laughs) Well, I mean, I've already nailed my colors to the mast and said we're going to win the Champions League this season. So, uh, uh, you know, it's coming home, guys. Well, I say coming home. It's never been here, but you know. (laughs) You know know what I mean. You know what I mean. It'll be fine. Um, but uh, sort of on sort of more serious matters, obviously we've um, had a couple of league games since we last recorded. Um, we beat Marseille quite easily, which was amusing uh, a long while ago now. But I just thought I'd bring it up just because you know beating Marseille is always fun, right? And uh, yeah. yeah, it's good to uh, good to sort of uh, you know 
beat up on the smaller teams in the league once in a while. Um, but the more the more recent result and the more sort of troubling one was the uh, performance of Dijon last Friday. Obviously, um, two one defeat took the lead early on for Mbappe, but got pegged back sort of uh, goals either side of half time. Uh, um, obviously, that was quite a sort of quite a disappointing performance. And then we've seen tonight possibly not our best either. Um, are there any sort of sort of trends any alarm bells ring in there for you guys do you think or is this just a blip and we'll you know be back on to back in form in the next few weeks sort of thing because obviously last season we saw this after Christmas where we kind of we started really well and then we sort of tailed off and then it all went horribly wrong in the Champions League uh you know there's always that fear that that might happen again but do you think this is sort of these sort of two bad performances together are indicative of a wider problem or do you think it's just a little you know a little bump in the road um I'd like to get your thoughts on that Carl what do you reckon it's possible but at, at this point I think we really need to stop me included stop reacting after two games yeah. <laughs> you have so many factors going into variables going into the outcome of a game it could be form it could be actual performance but it can also be luck i mean football is a game of luck in many ways if you one of my favorite uh, statistical statistical metrics is expected goals and by expected goals psg should have won that game about 3-1 uh if you round it up uh and they lost 2-1 and that happens uh psg had a really the fair share of chances and they missed them. That will happen. No real need to panic about it. Uh, anyway, just <laughs> let's see. What we go. If it continues for four or five weeks, yeah, then sure. But I don't think we can draw any big conclusions now after two, two, two slightly worse games. Yeah, sure. And uh, you're absolutely right. And in a low score in, in a low score in sport like football, you're always sort of at the mercy of sort of intangibles to an extent, aren't you? Um Ed, would you sort of would you echo those sentiments? Absolutely, I would echo that. I, I wrote a piece where I, I kind of talked about these early season losses where they've already lost three and we've only played like twelve league on yeah. games or something like that. And first time uh, first mm-hmm. time since two thousand and ten when we've uh, lost three of our first twelve games, right? So that's exactly pre Qatar era. So if you, good if old you, days. Yeah, if you take that and you and you no other manager has done that, but of course under Laurent Blanc, under Unai Emery, we've won a ton of games only to fall flat on our face. In the Champions League. So if that hasn't worked out, maybe this will work out. I mean, there's a saying in sports where you learn more from losing than you do winning. If this team is always crushing their opponents and they think that they're so great and then they go into the Champions League and get beat, even against teams that they're supposed to be better than, then maybe losing to a Dijon will humble them a little bit and it will help Tuchel kind of enforce his mentality of every game is important. You need to focus on one game at a time and not look ahead to the Champions League knockout stage. I think that these losses could ultimately be a good thing for PSG, as odd as that sounds. Losing could be a good thing. Um, there are no danger of losing Ligon. They're going to win it. But he can go into training and say, hey, against Dijon, you know, Navas, you didn't cover the near post and let in this goal. You need to work on that. And so he can just drill that in over and over. So I think it could be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, fingers crossed. And uh, certainly you can never accuse uh, Tuchel of... Uh, of lacking intensity, having seen him on the sidelines tonight, he was quite. Was a little, I love yeah, that. that was uh, it's amazing. Someone's made a gif of it for me, which I'm very happy about on Twitter. But he was basically like 
we were having an attack and one of their players was down and um, I think the ref asked them to kick it out and he went absolutely mental and he was like, for people who didn't see, he was like, the fourth official was holding him back and he's doing the little like talky hand over his head and he's going, when we have the ball, you talk a lot and like screaming <laughs> and he posed the manager's face. It was a lovely moment. It was real, real good sportsmanship. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, as you say, hopefully, um, you know, hopefully that sort of intensity comes over to the players and we can uh, we can maintain that going into the sort of, into the, the second half of the season. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, obviously looking ahead to the next few games, um, like Mark briefly discussed before he was, um, before, he, before he was removed. Uh, before I kicked un- him out. Before he was unceremoniously dumped from this <laughs> podcast uh, by the, uh, by the, by the powers that be. Um, he was talking briefly about the Madrid game and um, obviously we want Neymar um, milling around, uh, you know, doing his thing, having a nice time playing Call of Duty or whatever it is he does on, in his spare time. Uh, but he appears to be back in training and, um, you know, clearly this is going to present a bit of a dilemma for uh, for, for for Tuchel. Um, I mean, looking ahead to the next couple of Champions League games, would you sort of, would you be keen to sort of reintegrate Neymar into the team? Obviously with the, you know, what we've talked about, that the advantages that finishing first in the group ring, and clearly there's a psychological element to going to Madrid and winning as well. If we could do that, that would really lay a marker down. Or do you think it would be better to rest him, given his injury record and uh, various other things which have happened and keep him fresh for, for the bigger games to come? Uh, uh, what do you guys, what would you do with Neymar, basically? Yeah. You can't just keep him, keep him bubble wrap for three years. He needs to play. He wants to play, I hope, at least. So... You need. You just need to watch him. Watch, like trust the. Even though it's hard, trust the medical staff and the physios. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I know how absurd that sounds given the current situation. But after all, they're they're the professionals. We have to just hope they can keep track of him. Make sure he minimizes the risk of injury whilst playing. You can't just leave him out. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, sorry. On, sorry. No, yeah, no. Probably, probably don't play him against like the really lower. I, I guess there are some cup games coming up. Don't play him, play him on that. Given the terrain they're playing on, the pitches pretty. The pitches are usually pretty bad. That uh, increases the risk of risk of injuries, and uh, yeah, as well as the pitches in the that has uh, lower like. Um, where the pitch quality isn't that good, as good, but if the pitch quality is good, and you have play a game that uh, a team that doesn't have two physical players, which also you, of course, you, you <laughs> so he won't be he won't be playing any league on games. No, basically. I, I didn't realize. Yeah, I'm basically <laughs> arguing myself here, but yeah. just <laughs> minimize risks. But he needs to play. He needs to be integrated into the squad. It's been so stop start for him really hasn't been playing much consistent uh, consistently so yeah given playing time but under control circumstances yeah okay uh, what do you what do you reckon ed what would you do with neymar this is something i've gone back and forth on i mean it has so many implications if you were to play him and he gets injured not only would he miss additional games in the knockout stage which is why he was bought brought here from barcelona but then when you go to sell him in the summer, if he pushes for another transfer, 
how much is a club going to be willing to spend for a player that has his injury history? So it has so many implications. I agree that you can't put him in bubble wrap, and I think you could play him sparingly at Real Madrid because if he gets hurt there, you can at least justify and say, hey, we were going for first place in the group. You know, it's a big game against Real Madrid. I think you can justify it there, but against Galatasaray, I wouldn't play him. Um, and and again, and league on, I think you kind of pick and choose your battles there. If, if like Carl was saying, if the pitch doesn't look good, if there's you know some big, you know, huge rugby-looking guys that are ready, you know, to take him out, I think maybe you don't play him. Maybe it's not bubble wrap, but you definitely need to be careful with him because if he suffers another injury and cannot play in the knockout stage, I mean, Twitter will have a field day with that. You know, Tuchel needs him. I mean, he is a quality player. He doesn't need that much time to be integrated into the side. I mean, this is a guy who is world class and can play with pretty much anyone to make them better. He just we need to do everything possible to make sure that he's available for the round of 16. If he's injured and misses it. I, I would just be beside myself. I mean, we have waited years for this guy to be able to contribute on the biggest stage for PSG, and I want it to happen. So whatever it takes, we need to protect him. Yeah, I yeah, I I I sort of I don't really know what to make of it either. I think it's a really difficult call, which is obviously why these guys get paid a lot of money to make those big calls. But I kind of agree with you, Carla. I just think like a lot of his problems have perhaps been to do with the sort of stop start nature of his PSG career that he comes back and then he's out of the team and he's into the team and he's out of the team so I'd really like to see him get a run of the games under his belt and obviously if that ends with him getting a ill-timed injury that'll be very inconvenient but that you know that's sport isn't it so I think the interesting thing will be to see what happens with the Brazil squad because uh, obviously we've got the game at the weekend against Brest and then it's an international break and I think Brazil are playing Argentina and Korea so whether he'll go to the Brazil squad or whether he stays in PSG and sort of works on his fitness, I think be an interesting one because obviously there's been some sort of questions in the past about Neymar, where his priority is, whether it's with the Brazil team or whether it's with PSG. And I think that, well, we'll see. That might be a bit of a battle to come in the next few weeks. Uh, I saw an article, I just saw the headline basically about the GJ, uh, the Brazil uh, head coach that he he didn't plan to um, call him up or didn't plan to play him given the uh, injury situation. But yeah, people have changed their minds before, and I'll just hope he keeps his word. Yeah, yeah, same, yeah, same. And I hope like Nike don't sort of uh, stroll in and sort of start exerting their influence as they uh, allegedly sometimes do, maybe over the Brazil squad. Um, so uh, um, yeah, and sort of. Just briefly looking at another uh, another sort of striker in the in this PSG squad, Edison Cavani. I mean, he's uh, been on the bench a lot. Yeah, absolutely, man. I'm, uh, you know, we all love him, but he's uh, he hasn't seen a lot of playing time recently. He sits in his on the bench with his coat like zipped up, looking a bit cross for the world. Um, I mean, how the 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 thing is that Icardi is probably, I think, as much as. We'd probably all like to see Cavani in the team. Icardi is a better fit for what we need at the moment, right? So what what's the future for Cavani? I mean, I think we're all fairly clear that he's going to leave at the end of the season, but is he going to is he going to be happy with this backup role for the rest of the season, do you think? Or is there a chance he could force his way back into the team? Or even could he go somewhere in January? I mean, mm-hmm. what what do you think of the Cavani situation if we start with um start with Ed this time? 
I think if you can sell him in January, someone comes in, there's a couple of desperate teams, uh, Manchester United, to name one. They, they could definitely use a yeah, striker. They are certainly very desperate. They've got plenty of money. I, if you can get above market value for him and sell him in January, he's a club legend, but I think that would be the the ideal outcome. Because right now he's not doing a whole lot of good, and the only way he's going to see any playing time in a major game in the Champions League is if Icardi goes down with an injury. I mean, it is clear as day who the preferred striker is. So, And you feel bad for Cavani. Um that his PSG career is kind of going to go out like this. So I think you got to sell him in January if you can get something, maybe a player in return, potentially. Um, if not, then he will just go off into the sunset and he will have no shortage of clubs trying to, to sign him on a free um, once his PSG playing days are over. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure there'll be a lot of takers. And uh, yeah, um, he's long been linked with a move to the sort of EPR. I think Arsenal have been mentioned a few times as well. So, uh, How many strikers if, do they need? Well, yeah, I know. It's uh, be interesting to see if he pitched up over here. I'd get on. But um, yeah, Carla, what's your, what's your take on Cavani? It's really not like I think uh, Cavani is one of the players I really can't be objective about. It's got so like so much uh, like sentimentality around yeah. him. I feel the, the same. About, I feel the same about Jeremy Menes. It hasn't uh, <laughs> hasn't served me very well uh, so far. Yeah, no, but it's weird because I, I really struggle to keep my rationality uh, in place when talking about Cavani. Uh, the way he conducts himself, even though yes, he looks a bit mopey, but who doesn't on the bench? And you can only tell so much of just a put short like video uh, clip of him um he i imagine he would do anything for this club he won't uh, like he won't create a fuss about anything if he stays until the summer and doesn't play that much you, you can see how he has declined massively due to his his probably his injuries as well as just naturally aging out uh, he's, he's not as quick even though he wasn't very quick before He's not his instinct and his reactions isn't um, as instant as they used to be. Uh, but I would love to see him get a start. Uh, I would love to see him actually with Di Maria uh, and uh, Julian Traxler besides him. You know that was the front three uh, with the um, who started against uh, Barcelona at home, and I would just love to see that one last time um, for, for the sentiment of it uh, of it all. Um, but yeah, he, he will leave, uh, and I think there will be a few tears in Paris when that happens. Um, yeah. Probably won't get many started unless injuries force uh, took up to do so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I think there's. You're right that he never, even never like, you know, he never had that sort of speed of like an Mbappe or what have you. But that sharpness around the box and that sort of, you know, that first movement to make the space does seem to be. A bit lacking these days, sadly, which is a real pity, and it will be a shame if his if his PSG career ends on a sort of not a low note, but a sort of you know a sort of whimper with him just sort of milling around in, on the bench and getting the odd sort of cup game and stuff. So we'll have to see. Um, um, I'd be interested just as sort of on this sort of Icardi uh, sort of side of things, whether you think that his all round contribution is could be better because I feel like every time I see him, obviously you can't argue with his numbers. I wouldn't, uh, 
I wouldn't say take him out of the team or anything, but it feels like he doesn't get involved in the build-up play that much. I mean, are you guys happy with that? Do you think that's you know fine as long as he keeps scoring, or do you, do you think there's more to come from from him? Sorry, which player are we talking about? We're talking about Icardi, just because oh. I was inter- I was sort of com- thinking about it in comparison with uh, with with Cavani, and that you don't really see you don't see Icardi getting involved in the build-up that much, very much a sort of box player. And uh, do you think that's what? Do you think there's more to come from him, basically, or do you think that's the, uh, you know, he's just going to be that guy who 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 gets the goals for us? I, I just think he's going to be the guy that gets the goals. I think. His game is just different. He's a poacher. You know, he knows where to be. His game, his game isn't uh, predicated off of speed or technical ability, although he does have some technical ability playing with his back to goal and can receive the pass and, and play off of that. But he's just a poacher. I mean, he he's just banging the goals. And whereas Cavani is a little bit needs that speed and, and relies more on his physical nature, which has been declining in given his age. So I just think that's the way Icardi is going to continue playing for us. He's going to score a crap ton of goals for us. Yeah, that's a that's a. I think that's a happy thought to end the podcast on uh, Icardi's continuing goal output. Uh, so Could yeah, guys, add something on on Icardi. Yeah, I think it's. I don't. We should. Um, gonna, no, no, no. We're gonna put it. I, I, I think he's often pictured as one of those just poacher guys, but I think he's quite important in the build in the build up as well. He's very good at those one two just one touch passes. Mm. Uh, and when you look at his like deep progression numbers, which you can actually measure um, on strikers as well, that's basically when they drop deep and how much they create later in that same attack, uh, and, and where that attack goes. He he actually is, he's outperforming people like uh, Robert Lewandowski. So he isn't as one-dimensional as people think, even though it seems that way when you just look at him. His small touches uh, really um, yeah. really helps the team, and I think. Uh, especially on the counter, you can see that against uh, Brugge away. So, didn't not... he have that one really nice touch against Real Madrid? It was like a one touch that sprung on how Di Maria loose. I think it was Real Madrid. So you're right; he does have these like little one touch passes that kind of open things up for other players. Yeah, yeah, that sort of Olivier Giroud uh, sort of style link up play, but also with the goals which Giroud uh, often doesn't add. So, yeah, it's, well, exciting times for us. We've got Neymar to come back. The options are there. It's all, all the stars were lining. They might as well just give us the trophy now, basically. That's what Pretty I think. Much. Real yeah. quick before we go, if you guys have a second, we did have a few Twitter questions come in. I can just read them and we can give, you know, one or two word responses yeah, here if you guys have time. So this one just came in from Omar Goma. Uh, he wanted to know why is Ander Herrera always absent? I guess maybe he's asking why isn't he starting? And just I'll give a quick response and you guys can go. I guess if, if Drisa Gay isn't fully healthy or has another performance like this, maybe you could see Andrew Herrera later, maybe against Galatasaray. Um, I just think he's just further down the pecking order. There's players above him that have been playing better. But what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you're you're absolutely right. I think it's he's probably in a fight with Gay for that sort of position as the sort of uh, the box to box guy on the right of the of the three and. Um, He's just a little bit better, isn't he? Um, I think Herrera's, you know, got a lot to bring to the team. He's got a slightly different skill set, probably a bit, I don't know, a bit less physical, but a bit, maybe a bit of a better passer, a bit better at linking up and stuff. So I think his time will come, but I think certainly, I think the energy, maybe we didn't really see it tonight from Gay. I think you were saying earlier, um, uh, Carlo, you know, possibly not his, his best game, but um, 
you know, the generally the energy and the the physicality that he brings, I think, puts him ahead of Herrera at the moment. I think that's just uh, he'll have to buy this time because there'll be chances for him for sure. Yeah, not nothing to add, really. Um, I agree with yeah. you guys. Good. And then one last one. Someone wanted us to give their opinion. It's at at PSG Jacob. He wanted to know give give us um, give him their on Colin Dagba being better than Thomas Munier when both are healthy. Do you have one a preference, one over the other? Mm. Uh, I think that's a really difficult one. Um, I mean, I would, I'd probably <laughs> go with Dagba just because he's a younger player. He's probably more the future for our team, and I think it's probably more benefit. I mean, we nearly sold Munier in the summer, didn't we? It didn't happen mm. in the end, but it nearly happened. So you could see maybe they'll try and shift him again in in the winter transfer window and. Really, I think Dagba's probably the guy who's got got a future at PSG. So I think I'd favour him, but I'm quite happy with Munier in the team, to be honest. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but uh, I quite like him. I enjoy his uh, I enjoy his input on social media, even if it's a bit <laughs> even if it's a bit controversial sometimes. So yeah, yeah I'm I'm happy with either, but I'd favour Dagba really. Yeah, I actually haven't been as impressed with the uh, Dagba as yeah. I would be this season. Uh, and that is completely normal with a young player. So, and it's really important we don't get get on his back too quickly. He hasn't been bad, but he really hasn't been spectacular spectacular in 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 any way. Uh, Munier, on the other hand, have, has probably been better than most people expected at the start of the season. So, if you would have asked me in like the start of September, I would go Colin Dagba all the way. But uh, in the big games, I would probably start. Uh, if uh, Tilukar uh, doesn't come back, mm-hmm. I would probably start to Munier. But uh, due to the, like the, the opportunity cost of playing uh, Munier um, uh, instead of Dagba in the Liga games, uh, yeah, I would definitely start Dagba in most of them. I just to keep um, getting minutes. Yeah, and I would just say I, I think both are fine as um, a backup right back. I think in January, anyway, that's a necessarily and Leonardo definitely need to address. I think we need a Champions League caliber right back to play in that position. Someone that can just has the pace and can also track back. I mean, that's a position in modern football that is essential. So I don't know if either one of those are, are really at that level yet. Maybe Dagba in a couple years, but not quite yet. So, but that's my answer. I mean, <laughs> and that's all the questions. So, yeah, I was just going to say it's. I think we're in a good position when the 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 most important sort of improvement point for our squad is the right back. I think that, mm. that speaks nicely about the options we've got all over the pitch at the moment, and uh, yeah. long may it continue. Very much. Uh, so yeah, okay. Well, thanks for that, guys. That's really interesting chat, and uh, good to be into have our place booked in the knockout rounds of the Champions League. And uh, yes. I look forward to the uh, uh, inevitable. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know shenanigans which happen after christmas but uh, for now we'll uh, i'm sure we'll be back again soon with another podcast to talk about what's going on in liga um and yeah thanks very much for listening and we'll talk to you again soon all right thanks bye, bye. thanks guys